0: Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me on the DASH podcast. I've got Michelle Adeniyi joining us today. She's a heptathlete or former heptathlete at IU, currently a master's student, about to go to Gambia and work on solving or helping folks that are living with HIV and AIDS. It's really exciting to talk to you today, Michelle, and it's always cool to bring back someone that's not just kind of out of the blue, but someone that I've known for probably more than 10 years right now. How are you tonight? Uh-oh. That's a long time, right? That's a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, probably what two thousand eight, two thousand seven. You know, I met your brother and, and started going to clay and stuff, and family friends for a long time. So that's that's pretty cool. Everything kind of doubles back around.
1: Most definitely. Thank you so much for
0: having me. Oh yeah, and I I know you said you you you've been busy. Um, so what's what's the life you went right out of? of college you finished up at iu and went right to grad school how's it how's it been for you how's it hanging
1: yeah it's been good i I started my master's program i'm studying global health right now at the university of notre dame and i love it um i kind of applied out of a whim but it's been more than a blessing since Mm. i've been here
0: why do you say on a whim
1: i was i think i was home for christmas break one of my former teammates parents i was just at their house chilling and she was like you should apply for global health and I'm like why like <laughs> that wasn't even on my radar I was planning wow. on taking a half year mm. um I was pre-med undergrad uh she she just said you know it's a good program it's a new program I think it's less than seven years mm. old so it's the newer program at Notre Dame
0: yeah and I, I just applied okay and,
1: and here we are
0: were you so did you apply anywhere else So that's that's just the only place you applied
1: I also applied um, to Georgetown University and I also
0: okay. got in there, but okay. I love Notre Dame because yeah. it's close. Well, it is home. I mean, South Bend is yeah. it is home. It's it's right there, so that's that's pretty cool um, to be able to go to school where you came from. Everybody always asks, you know, when I tell them I'm from South Bend, did you go to Notre Dame? No, I wasn't smart enough to get in, so I'm glad that I know somebody <laughs> who is smart enough to get in to be a program. Do you think? You know, we were just talking about South Carolina and some of those healthcare programs. Do you want to stay in the Midwest? Or are you open? You said you want to travel domestic or worldwide. What are you thinking?
1: I'm open to anywhere. I think one thing that this program has opened my eyes to is that there's so much glamour in going abroad when like, there's so mm. much work done in our own communities. Mm. So ideally, I want to get out of the Midwest just because I've been here my life. But as to where I go... I'm I'm open to anything. Like, of course, I want to be near like a metropolitan area or somewhere where there's a lot of young adults. Right. And young but for the duty of what I'm trying to get done, I don't mind going anywhere.
0: Mm. What do you think? What's What's your mission? Seeing that you know, realizing you're you're still in the. I, I've been talking to young people lately. Even like I'm not 25, but I've been talking to folks in high school and in college. And like those those years of college and high school really are like trial years. Your expectation is really. Not high. it's different in a master's program because you have to live by yourself. But in college, you kind of get free reign to try and fail, and it doesn't matter um, without a purpose. So, kind of getting to that place where you're graduating, what what kind of mission or life legacy are you trying to leave in your work?
1: Wow, <laughs>
0: that's a heavy question. Oh yeah, oh yeah.
1: Um, you know what I. I recently went to a conference it was a church conference for young adults and this might be like way broad but sometimes you have to be broad to get specific
0: yeah um, mm, to say but
1: I was, I was talking about an experience I had traveled to New York to visit a family friend I hadn't seen them in I want to say five years and when I went like they were the best hosts and when I left I was like I left more blessed than when I came mm. like they for me they were doing x y and z mm. they were made sure they made a list of everywhere they wanted to take me in New York City. It was my first time in New York City, so it's really overwhelming. So they they scheduled everything out. They worked everything out. Nigerian hospitality is a whole other thing. (laughs) So, you know, it was just a great experience. And I think I left that situation thinking, you know what, I just want people who have the experience to encounter me, whatever Mm. my work would be, to leave more blessed when they – then they enter the situation wow. or situation wow. and it's hard I mean even like being a student it's hard to think like <clears throat> that but in certain environments you realize that you can be
0: used mm. what was it about being down there that kind of did that for you or made you see it
1: uh, it was I had just previously um, I was I was with some friends for my friend's birthday so I was with like college friends and then when I went over to their place like they had a family environment and I don't know what it was, but she's just such a good host. Like she's mm. she's vegan, was cooking meat for me. I'm like, just <laughs> going above and beyond. So yeah, just seeing how like she she's so strong in her faith, she's self-disciplined. Um, shout out to my friend Boomy. I don't know if she's gonna be listening to this, but shout yeah. out to my well, friend Boomy.
0: You have to send it to her, Boomy. Yeah, you gotta yeah, listen. I have to send
1: it to her. Um just great host. I'm just like those situations where you leave more blessed when you came out mm. of the back. Even think about like when you're when you had family come to visit and your uncle or auntie would slide you that hand with that cash or something, <laughs> and you just looked forward to every time you saw them because you didn't know what you yeah. were going to expect.
0: Yeah,
1: it might not be cash, but it could be like just an experience of feeling love, or just an experience of having someone genuinely listen
0: to you there's -hmm. so many things that that could be so Mm -hmm. there's um somebody i think it was like episode six i was talking to another guy from south bend actually and he said when you see someone that's living their dream it makes you want to be a part of that dream or live your own and in a lot of ways you know it's not even you know going your dream can be that like going and providing an experience for somebody an experience for something i remember when I was in high school, I said, I want to have an impact on everybody I have a conversation with. And the, the cool thing about that, when you plan it out how you said, you know, you want people to leave more blessed, you can never stop doing that. Like that can never be complete. So while it might be broad, you know, we mentioned the macro and the micro, that's really broad in its name and in, in leaving everybody you talk to blessed. But until you die, you have to talk to someone every day so you can never kind of lose motivation there. That's a good choice.
1: Most definitely. That just reminded me. Also, I went to the South Bend Symphony. One of my friends had extra tickets. It was for a MLK celebration. Mm. And there was like a fourteen-year-old prodigy cellist. I didn't even know. I didn't even know where I was going. I was just like, "Yeah, like I'll get a ticket." And it was just like you—you—you hit the nail on the die. When you see people, when people inspire you, it it does something. Like it was the same feeling. I watched her. She was just amazing. Mm -hmm. She was a child fourteen years old. Um, her name was Ifatayo, actually. I remember that because it's a Yoruba name, and she killed it. And I was like, "Wow!" wow. Like I read my whole life.
0: Yeah, it it <laughs> it's crazy. it it, may, it makes a difference when you see that. You kind of because you can you can tell. And I, as a as a company and like as a brand, who I am, what I want people to know is is I say facilitating purpose and uh, making it easier to do what you love. Because it's it's the same when you see someone doing what what they love, you can feel it. And you know when someone, when you go to McDonald's and you get your order, you know if someone is happy to be there serving, or if they're not. Um, when you walk into a health clinic, you know that the person that's greeting you or taking your name, they want to be doing that or they don't. Like you can tell if somebody's doing what they love and what they don't. And when you're doing what you love and you see someone else doing it, it's another kind of feeling and another kind of respect and admiration that you can have for that person. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. What, what you know, being from thinking about legacy and foundation and set up for success, personally, I know I come from a background of privilege, having been able to trace my family back to 1891 and having a Bible to reference that. Um, and siblings and brothers and fathers and mothers and people, you know, to kind of count on throughout. A lot of times that progress can be stifling, especially for people that are born into... Success in a lot of ways, a generational success. Um, your, your family is pretty successful as well. Your brother's been on the show. Your sister's very well off. Your your family, and I, I don't mean just financially. I mean people are doing what they love and enjoying the world. How, how do you fit into your family mode, and how does that support and foundation work for you in your life?
1: So, whom much is given, much is expected. That's, mm. <laughs> that sums it up. Um, wow. One thing I say about my family is no one in my family is ever satisfied. So mm. it's not that I, you know, have to look at what they've achieved. It's more of I have to match their hunger, I have to match drive, mm. mm. um, and it's just innate. You just watch our parents. I, I watched my parents work yeah. so hard over all the years, and who am I not to work as hard for mm. whatever I want to do?
0: Yeah, it's bigger than you. Right at some point, yeah. it, it gets it gets bigger than you. Do you have, uh, have you ever felt pressure? Like, have you felt pressure to work from can't see in the morning to can't see at night or, or really just exceed expectations, as your brother would say?
1: Have I felt pressure to exceed expectations? If I have, it's been for myself more than anybody mm. else. I would say that. I mean, there's, of course, there are expectations, but. I would say I put the most pressure on myself and I think going through college, having stressful environments has made me learn um, what a good amount of pressure is.
0: Mm.
1: When it's time to relax, when it's time because I, I don't know, if I, I didn't get a lot of examples on when it's time to relax. My parents are really <laughs> big. <laughs> My parents are, are, they're on, always. Mm. So, I think learning how to do so, but I definitely put that on myself. Yeah, And that could be just being the last born um, or just trying to be perfect or learning from other people's mistakes Mm -hmm. or I don't
0: know what else it could be, but it could be a lot of things. I mean, you got your nature and your nurture, uh, go even going into the athlete piece. You know, I'm, I was an athlete myself and I found, I was just putting an application in for Miami alumni, young alumni, and started thinking about how everything I did in college I'm using in my professional world now. And that includes, the discipline, the passion, the toughness, the faith—those were our pillars. Play, playing football, all of those are relevant today. I was in a meeting earlier this week, and it, it felt like I was playing football without physicality, but with words. And and it was—I was able to to you know be comfortable with that so-called conflict or or argumentative conversation. Um, And it was enjoyable because I understood that that pressure and that conflict was productive in the moment. Have you found that you've learned anything from the sports that you've played?
1: Man, track will make you, like...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Everybody hates running around the track, man. It's a circle.
1: Yeah, but you know what? College was a wake-up call. Um, Mm. I'm actually helping out with track right now at our high school at Clay. And I just see, like, man... I remember my first practice in college. I think we ran like I wanna say eighteen two hundred it was something ridiculous. Like eighteen two hundred, ninety five degrees. And I'm looking around like man, like never in my life have Ah. I done maybe more four two hundreds at a practice. Like what is going on? And track yeah, track is a different (laughs) thing. (laughs) And also I was um I was doing events. Well, I wasn't used to working out for track, that's one Mm. thing. Doing an event, and I was like the only athlete um, as in the heptathlon. So I had a lot of one-on-one training, and I found myself dreading practice, and it was it was terrible. Like I would like practice would soon be approaching, and I just had this dread. And there was a point where I had to say, you know what? Like you got through every hard workout, mm. so you're gonna the next one. And there, I don't know, dread is a terrible thing to have going into a situation like. <laughs> yeah. It ruins your mood, so I think if anything, I just learned like you'll get through it. The hardest workout yeah. that you're like not even trying to look at, you yeah. get through it. At the end okay. of
0: the day.
1: You just got to get through mm.
0: it. Well, tell me that's a that's an interesting take on it too, because I remember your you you said that feeling of dread. Man, football was another animal too, dude. Like my my freshman year, I had just had shoulder surgery and wasn't all the way recovered. And we had Oklahoma drill, line up five yards away from the next person and run as fast as you can into them. The dude across from me was 23 years old and had two kids and a full beard. I was 18 years old and just graduated, man. It was like, shoot, what am I what am I supposed to do? Um, and it was like that so much. I remember before practice, I would have to sit in my locker room or in my locker with my pads on and just kind of get in a meditative state and get myself ready to be physical with somebody and it was it was so hard, and it honestly, that dread that's why I didn't play my fifth year, and I continued going you know in another direction. but I like you said, I made it through all that I, I dreaded that, and that kind of mental toughness and discipline was what got through that dread hard time. Most
1: deadly. Some people don't get through it. No. drop off, so. Nope. Love those character.
0: <clears throat> well, and, and most people don't. I remember our first practice, you know, ju- just like you said, we were supposed to have 12 half gassers, which you run the short side of the field and back, but you had to test the line with your right foot the first time and your left foot the second time. Muggs missed that line so many times, we ended up having to do 24 instead of 12. And the, our strength coach said, Look around at these 23 people that are here with you right now Because you're not going to graduate with them all They're not, everybody's not going to make it You know, whether that's You get in trouble and get kicked out of school You quit, you transfer You stop playing, whatever the case You're not going to make it Everybody that starts isn't going to finish So that's a commendable Lesson to learn Now tell me on, on another note You've had memoirs of melanin out That's your blog, for how long?
1: It's been almost three years now. Wow, I,
0: really? I was yeah, going to say a year or two. Dang, that's fast.
1: Almost three. Okay. It, it actually started, I studied abroad in Santiago, Chile, the summer after my sophomore year. Mm. Yeah, the summer after my sophomore year, 2015. And I just made the blog for that. Yep. It wasn't even about Memoirs of melanin. Um, I forgot what I called it come away with sh- I was something cheesy but um, <laughs> my <laughs> yeah.
0: my first blog was called Tackling Tackle Your Dreams and there was my study abroad blog too that's that's okay it happens
1: yeah, it, it yeah. so I kind of translated it um, just ex- to have some type of expressive page if I'm feeling if I feel like there's something I want to share I, I try to post frequently
0: um, yeah
1: yeah I'm trying to get more regular with it but it's really if I have something to share I wouldn't. I don't like forcing things
0: Mm-hmm. So tell me, is, is memoirs of melanin, is that personal to you as a melanated woman, or is that for all melanated people, or, or is it both? Why why memoirs of melanin?
1: It's both. Um, it was definitely a reflective thing. Um, just tales of a black girl, basically, hmm. or um, whatever's going on in my life. I, I don't necessarily, when I think to something, uh know think this is a target audience of only only black people can relate to whatever posting but it's definitely just this is a story of me or
0: experiences Mm. of Mm. happens
1: very melanated and (laughs) and very black and just has something to share so yeah
0: yeah what um what, what is your what what does that mean to you who what does it mean tell me if i had a summary um tell me who michelle is about your memoir of melanin if you can summarize that
1: wow if i had to summarize it
0: or let me let me rephrase the question tell me what it means to be a black woman
1: dang that's even okay okay um (laughs) i think now things are changing but when i was growing up i didn't have many people as in many black women to look up to Mm. Uh. And that could be within any field I was in. I went to like a mostly white school until I was in middle school. I, you know, lived in a in a suburban area. The things i the things I was doing, like my dad had me taking piano classes. Mm. Uh I was the only black girl in there. I was I I found myself in situations where I didn't have someone like me to aspire to be. And when I did, I clung on to it really hard. Mm. So I think I heard a quote like, be somebody you needed when you were younger. Wow that's what i what i just tr- i try to do while also being who i want to be like i did a pageant last year i've always wanted to do a pageant like my whole life and mm. i don't think i've ever seen like many black women
0: what kind uh, of pageant
1: miss indiana university oh wow that's pretty cool yeah i got second runner up it was hey, my first
0: hey congratulations yeah. that's great that's exciting
1: but even just to step out and do something like that um and uh um, yeah I see your uh, African-American woman one as well but just be that person where someone mm. be like wow
0: mm.
1: she's a dark-skinned sister like out here yeah. doing something. Um, representation matters and we just saw that with Black Panther like representation truly matters so I just I want to represent my own self hopefully mm. someone inspired by it I like to write about faith um, fashion food
0: yeah. everything so yeah <laughs> that's pretty tight I, I like it. You you've got a, a pretty cool story. So in doing that, um, I, I think faith faith goes a long way in taking those steps. And I've noticed myself as I've grown as a man, as I've grown as a professional, as I've grown as a person, and in my faith, it's, there's been kind of steps and and triggers on the way to to get closer to God um, or the higher my higher self, if you will. And, and on that way, it's it's steps of faith that I could look back at that kind of um, trigger the next step, if you will, if I I think of my faith and steps myself to make it easier. But, you know, one time it was, um, I, I called my dad on February 28th, 2017, and told him that I was looking for a house. I was trying to buy a house, but what I really didn't want to tell him was that I was going to leave my job. And I was scared, but there was that leap of faith. And the last thing that he said to me before he got off the phone and I walked into church, he said, ask God which direction you should go. And that that cut a flesh tie and an earthly tie where I was only having one leader. Um, that's my spiritual leader. And it, it just propelled me to another step of life. What, what lessons of faith have you had in your life that have propelled you to another level? Hmm. What
1: lessons? I say just the fact of even just being alive. I, I feel like hmm. people don't People don't people don't remember everything they've been through. For wow. some reason, there's some type of amnesia when your next struggle comes, where you forget how far you've been led in the mm. past, how many barriers you've made it over. So I think that's the first thing: be thankful for everything. Wow. Write everything down. That's one of the, if you don't write down when God answers your prayers or when God brings you through, you're mm. not. It's harder for you to remember. I have journals where I look back, and I'm just like, wow. Or I have mm. journals where I wrote down a prayer. And I never knew it was answered until I went back to read wow. the prayer down. So wow. I think you just have to take take everything in and remember, you know, remember what got you through. That's that's my
0: main thing. Hmm.
1: Uh, as I I don't remember the question you said that takes you to a higher place. Um,
0: you answered it. You said gratitude. I mean, if if, yeah, that were, I, if I gave you a one word summary, it'd be it'd be gratitude. Michelle, you're awfully grateful. Um, you're awfully grateful. You, you, you've you got grace all over your face. And again, you can see that when you're communicating with people and you can hear it in their voice. Where does your sense of gratitude and grounding come from?
1: I mean, it, that's that's a large-fold question. Um, my family, my friends, I mean, you can list a whole bunch of people, but you know, I grew up in the church and many people grow up in the church but don't really get much out of it. But I found I had some of the best experiences with, the friends that I had, the friends that I, the friendships that I developed, and then the people I chose to keep around me past that point, past when I left my home church and went to college. So a lot of it comes from the people I associate myself hmm. with. Um, most of my friends I call daily are not in South Bend or in other areas, but these are yeah. these are people I can say my craziest, off the wall thoughts with. These are people that remind me, like, what does Scripture say? If I have a question. Hmm. Um, so I think surrounding yourself with friends who who holds you accountable to being grateful, who holds you accountable to seeing the, the brighter things, um, and these and these friends don't have to be the most spiritual too. They can be um, mm. just people with a positive energy. Right. If you don't keep people like that around <laughs> you, harder for you to to just to just you know not not be so burdened and everything.
0: So, yeah.
1: and that definitely comes from my family as well. Um, but my parents, I feel like my parents are independence promoters. Like, they're never people that are like,
0: Holy always, hand.
1: make sure you do this, make sure you read your Bible, make sure you do this, make sure you pray. My parents are not like that at all. And I feel like that's a big thing um, where I just learned to be independent and seek, seek God myself.
0: Wow, that's pretty powerful. I thought, or um, well, I guess I found when I went to go study abroad, that was one of the first times I really got to be alone. Without distractions or without anything. I didn't have, I didn't have like a calling card when I was over there. So if I didn't have Wi Fi, there was no yeah. phone. And we were traveling, or I was traveling every weekend. And by the end of the semester, I was traveling by myself. And I just got to find myself so much and really understand, I guess, the direction that I wanted to go. You're about to go abroad again. You've already been abroad. You're about to go again to Gambia.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: And and what are you what are you doing out there? What do you expect from this next trip?
1: I'm doing research um, on people living with HIV. Not on people, on the experiences of people living with HIV. Um, they just came out of a a long administration uh, and their former president. You know, he, he claimed he had to cure the cure to AIDS, and he gave this like herbal treatment. And a lot of people participated in this treatment and they had to stop taking their antiretrovirals, which is the globally known medication that can help people with HIV live healthier and longer lives. So I'm doing research just to assess what happened. Hmm. And because no one one has really gone in and asked these people about their experiences. Um, So I'm really excited about that. Um, But I'm more excited. It seems like a lot of, maybe not a lot, but so many global health workers are not African-American. Hmm. Mind you, I'm Nigerian-American, which adds some type of either responsibility to it, but I think I'm most excited just to see what that interaction would be like.
0: Because
1: um, hmm. I'm the only black person in my class, and I see these people like, oh, I want to go to Uganda, I want to go to X, Y, and Z, and we have classes on ethics, we have classes about you know s- the superiority complex that might come hmm. with going to another country, so I'm really interested in just
0: seeing how, how it I, out.
1: I can make an impact them seeing someone hmm. like, oh, she kind of looks like us. Like, <laughs> that might make a difference. So, I'm just really excited for the research, any type yeah. of anything I can get done just to further education
0: hmm. in the world. Is this the, um, now the, the president, I remember hearing a, a man, I, I can't remember his name, I know he's passed away or what, I don't know if he was assassinated. I know there's some conspiracies around somebody. But who had an herbal cure for AIDS and HIV? Is this I think it's Doctor C B. Some something around that nature. Um, oh, like he's that? not a doctor. Okay.
1: This a lot of sketchy stuff. This. His name um, was Yaya Jamin. Okay. Yeah, but he did not pass. He was um he was sent on exile. I think he's he's mm. alive.
0: Oh wow, wow, yeah. wow! And that's what you're about to study. Is what happened?
1: Um yeah, I'm studying what happened.
0: Shoot. So, do you know why he was exiled? Does that I don't know what happened then Oh
1: yeah, he lost the election. It was he, yeah, he lost the election. So and there was just a lot of human rights violations and just things that happened.
0: So oh, so he was doing a bad project with AIDS. Yeah,
1: the the, the treatment he thought
0: mm. there was
1: scientific proof. Um,
0: okay, gotcha.
1: Yeah. So wow. it, it wasn't a proven. I mean I have to I can't just be biased. It was never scientifically proven. But a lot of people have were shown to have died, so
0: mm. okay. So it ended up turning up to be malpractice.
1: Yeah, but then again, can you malpractice if you're not a doctor?
0: To say. Mm. <laughs> is that, that's so is that a question that you have to answer in ethics? Damn. Um Boy, now I'm
1: researching the effects. My church. I'm researching the effects of what happened.
0: Wow. That's pretty deep. Yeah. How many people live in Gambia?
1: Two million.
0: Two million. It's a small
1: country. Very small country. I think
0: that's how many people are in South Carolina. What is the, do you know the percentage of people or the amount of people that you're going to that are affected by HIV and AIDS? AIDS.
1: Yeah. Um, statistics from the U.N. AIDS say about 1.7%. So I think that's just about twenty thousand or so.
0: Hmm. Is that where does that fall around the world or around the United States and people that have that are affected by HIV and AIDS? I'm not
1: sure how it relates to the United States, but of other West African countries, pretty low. Um, a lot of the statistics, though, you're not sure if it's underreported or overreported, especially with this happening in the past. You don't know. Um, how the government influenced any of the census or any type of the statistics. But yeah, it's pretty, it's low compared to other countries in neighboring areas.
0: Hmm. That's pretty good. That's, that's, that's exciting work to do. That's meaningful work, you know, impactful work. I've been, I've been doing a lot of research and studying about millennials and Generation Z and what, what the trends are going towards for the workplace. The millennials took over 50% of the workplace in uh, 2015 and are the largest period in the world right now. Generation Z is bigger than us. So just thinking about the trends that, that people are going to, there's an entrepreneurial boom. More people are working on 90 day contracts than you know working for a company for five years and more people are going abroad. And the main thing, is that people that are younger un- millennials are under 30 i guess 37 now If you're born in 1980 to 2000 you're like a millennial basically but the the meaning and the purpose of work is about impact and adding value to people's life more so than it is in the in the previous regime and the baby boomer structure in the prior structure that we've had uh in the country at least of the united states has been about gaining power and holding that power but it seems like now the our generation and the next is more so much about inclusion and about impact and about developing and helping and serving people that are underrepresented. Have you noticed that in your friends?
1: I actually haven't. Really? Yeah, I I think I need more friends in different generations (laughs) to to really be able to analyze that.
0: Well, that, that makes sense. So, I mean, the first, my first two years out of school, I was working at the governor's school for science and math. It was a residential high school. So my first year, I had students that were born, I guess, on the cutoff year of millennials, which is the year 2000. The following two years, I had people that were born in 01 and 02. And maybe I'm biased because I was living there, but the difference in my people when I was just starting that were millennials, there was a difference in the just the young folks that I had at 16, 17, 18 years old. But um, then I guess going in, I might know a little bit. About the research, because the generations, there's some different stuff we could talk about. Another point there, but <laughs> the the power skipped a gap or skipped a lot in the Generation X, which is 1965 to 1980. It was a smaller window. This is when moms went to work as well, and it wasn't somebody staying at home and the dads going to work. When the bread Rosie Riveter was doing her thing in in the workplace too so you saw the power be held in the structure who would be our grandparents baby boomers born in the 60s 50s 40s but now that that the shift is coming really fast because the baby boomers are passing away really fast and we're being born really fast so the the shift is coming quick but it's been that might be something to look at too and impact your trends in gambia as well to see where how you can really make an impact with people because there's i think there's more people that are willing to do work you know in the field that you're talking about serving definitely it makes a difference a- anything else you got going on in the agenda you you i guess you're busy enough you you got a lot going on you've done a lot
1: yeah it's just just school right now school work focus to get to the end line
0: okay Okay. I can I can dig that. Where can, if somebody wants to follow Memoirs and Melanin or wants to keep up with you and Gambia, hopefully you blog again while you're out there. Um, or, um, or just catch up with you. Where, where can we find you at?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I'm not active on Twitter right now. Uh, but my blog is memoirsofmelanin.blogspot.com Okay. You can subscribe there. Um, but yeah.
0: And what's well, your Instagram name?
1: Adek Tanuka. That's A-D-E T-I-N-U-K-E
0: Okay, okay. Thank you very much. There there we have it. That's a great special words from you, Michelle. I thank you so much for joining us on the Dash Podcast and helping us get set up for success. I feel like I learned a lot today and I, I hope you did too. So please make sure that you go ahead and comment, share, tell your friends, tell your mother, and come back next time on the Dash Podcast.